follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, our topic today is weighing the options for care. It's about a service that helps family caregivers find the best type of care for family members who are seniors and who need additional care. My guest today is Christine Taylor. Now, Christine has a master's degree in gerontology. She's dedicated her education and career to bettering the lives of seniors. She's the founder and president of Nursing Home Ratings, Inc., a company which runs a national website that offers advice, information, links, blogs, and ratings. Now, all of the website ratings of home care and things like that, nursing homes, um, and all of the her reviews are from family members because she believes that it's they, the family members, who know the nursing homes best. Now, with the ratings process, she assists family members looking to place their loved one in a nursing home. She's also the founder of Aging Solutions Incorporated, a company which helps caregivers in many areas of elder care, and she provides home safety inspections for seniors to help seniors stay in their own homes as long as possible. And for seniors who live outside of the greater Toronto area, she provides telephone consultations, which include consultations for family caregivers caring for someone with Alzheimer's disease. So, Christine, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Now, over to you. I want you to tell us more about your career background and what led you and led you to your interest in family caregivers weighing the options for care. Christine? Well, I started my career as a nursing home administrator of a large nursing home in Toronto. While I was doing that, I also taught an introductory gerontology course at a local college and then um, a university course titled Life in the Wisdom Years at the University of Toronto. And when I left my position as an administrator, I realized there was a a void out there for family members, which is why I started nursinghomeratings.ca. And like you said in in the intro, 
I really realized that family members know the home best. They're the ones who are there at different shifts, different days. They're there on the holiday. They're there in the wee hours of the morning, as opposed to the typical government um, inspector who will go and do the inspection and is there for a very finite period of time. And obviously all the staff is on their best behavior when the government is there. So family members are the best to share their opinions and their ratings because they see it in its, what I kind of refer to as its natural state. And that's why I think they're the ones who really can give the insider's perspective. So when other people are going to choose a home, they feel like they can get a glimpse of what it's like and what it will be like for their loved one. And out of that and out of reading all the ratings that people do submit, while there obviously is a need for nursing homes, it's quite obvious and I would say generally you know, known if you ask anyone where they want to spend their the later stage of their life, people want to stay in their own home, and rightfully, rightfully so. A, a home is security and independence and personhood. So I realized that with my, with my education, I felt that I can really provide a service in helping people stay at home, but getting them to realize that it's not just the decision of, I'm going to stay at home. There are consequences to staying at home, and those are you have to change your environment to compensate for age-related changes. And I think when I did my master's, that's really where I gained an appreciation of the whole caregiving dynamics because I, I really did a focus on um, specifically the caregiving relationship with aged mothers and their adult daughters and studying the special relationship that, that comes in terms of the challenges and both the rewards, which I think a lot of people underestimate that caregiving right. can be very rewarding. Christine, I'm just going to stop you there because um, the, this question of kind of what, you, what gave you the stimulus, mm-hmm. do you actually have personal experience of family caregiving? And if you do, how has this influenced your work? Was this some kind of stimulus for your interest? Well, um, Gosh, I don't want to say yes to that because I feel like I'm doing an injustice to to caregiving. My father was the primary caregiver for my grandmother, so I I watched him go through the process, and I watched my grandmother go through literally the whole continuum of care. And when my dad would go on, you know, the odd vacation, I you know was the only other real relative in the in the city, so I would get the phone calls, and I would, you know, get that, oh, my goodness, okay, this is what's happened, I'm running there right now, and I would literally drop everything and run across the city, not necessarily because I didn't think that they couldn't handle it, but because I knew that I'm her granddaughter. I think that she needs me there, so you just really feel that responsibility, so I feel like I got a taste of it, and it really gives you an appreciation for what they go through and how how much when you take that role that you have such a responsibility because you're making decisions for someone who you love so dearly and it's hard because there's a sudden role reversal and you are now the parent of your parent. Um, and, you know, seeing my grandmother trying to stay at home, she went through the 
um, the agencies. Agencies couldn't provide 24-hour care, so then she went um, to a retirement home. And my, my father naturally turned to me, you know, the master's in gerontology. I was the nursing home administrator and looked to me for guidance and what, what should I do, what home should I pick. And that's when it was this true eye-opening experience for me because if you're in the field, you can't really see it from a family's perspective until you're in that. Right. So when he turned to me, and I'm you know, looking for, okay, well, there must be some information out there, and I realized, oh, my goodness, there was not a lot of information out there to help people. That's truly what made me start NursingHomeRatings.ca. Got it. Now, just a very quick comment back to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think your personal experience and the way you've described it did influence you, and I think that's a, that's a in, if I may say this, I think that's a very positive thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to tell us a little bit more about the family caregivers who are looking for help in weighing options for care for their family members. Mm-hmm. What, what can you tell us about them? Uh, the large majority of the caregivers are definitely the sons and the daughters. Um, I get an odd email from an aunt or an uncle who is trying to help um, their loved one. But again, the vast majority are the sons and the daughters. I do get a lot of emails from people who are not in the same city. So they're trying to coordinate care. They could be on the other side of the country. I've gotten an email from someone who is literally on the other side of the world. And, you know, that is obviously if you have no experience with another country's healthcare system, you're really feeling like you're out of, out of the loop. Um, so it, it's extra challenging for them. What I also find is the people who, who contact me, you can sense their frustration and you can sense them feeling like, oh my goodness, uh, I don't know what to do. They're already exhausted. They feel like there's very little time to make a decision and it, it's such a big decision determining what, what path you're going to choose for your loved one. Um, and so you can sense that burden on them, and you can sense the desperation in their voice with just that, please, someone help me, someone give me some guidance, because I need some help trying to understand, you know, the system. And that's not just specific to Canada. This is, you know, people from probably every country who are in these same situations, and especially because a lot of the times when people are in the position to make a decision like this, it's... You know, my mother has just fallen, she's in the hospital, she's fractured a hip, the hospital wants to discharge her, I need to find something quickly. So it's not just that they're dealing with, uh, okay, my loved one's had an accident, which is an emo- emotionally draining in of itself. They now have so much more on their plate, and they almost have to go into auto mode and just try to do this in such a time constraint. So it's, there's so many factors, they're dealing with a lot on their plate, and you know, you really have sympathy for them and what they're going through. Right. Next question. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to have to be fairly brief on this because Mm -hmm. the time for the break is looming. Mm -hmm. But what chiefly are the health conditions of the family members uh, who are concerned, the the concern of their sons and daughters, for example? Um, You've mentioned, we talked about Alzheimer's. Is it all Alzheimer's or are there other uh, health conditions that feature in all of this? Um, Alzheimer's is, you know, definitely prevalent. And, you know, between 
2008 to 2030, those with Alzheimer's are expected to triple. So we have to deal with this now, but we really have to focus on this because it's going to become a larger issue. But falls are also um, a, a large component. In Canada, 40% of all nursing home admissions are the result of a fall, which is why we have to focus on fall prevention and um, changing the environment to help us avoid falls and accidents because there's that, if, if you fall, it's likely that you're going to end up in a nursing home. So um, it's not just Alzheimer's and dementia. It's also the, the physical condition of the older adults and their care needs that requires additional care. Just a very, another very quick question. Mm-hmm. Is it that the falls cause fractures and that's why they have to be admitted, or are there other reasons that they have to go into care when they've had a fall? Um, well, fall, well, I mean, there's falls, and there's also, you know, general aging. They require assistance with, you know, general activities of daily living. They find it harder and harder to be independent. And when you're only able to get so much home care, then, you know, if, if you have someone for a few hours a day but you need more, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily feel ready for a nursing home, but sometimes you almost feel forced that way because I, I don't have any, you feel like you don't have any other options and you need that person there to, to supervise you generally throughout the day. So, you're absolutely right. It's not just fall prevention. It's not just Alzheimer's. Sometimes it's just generally the need for that 24-hour nursing supervision and medication administration, and, you know, people just generally aren't able to cope on their own. Right. It, just a quick summary back to you. It's just as, it's, it's as though they've reached the stage where the fall signals that there has to be a change in the way they're cared for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to come back to that. Now, it is time for us to take the short break. This is where we have to pay the rent. <laughs> this is Dr. Gordon Averley, and my guest is Christine Taylor. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We will be back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you feel as if your life is just filled with random awkward moments? Believe me, you're not alone. Tune in every Friday for TAG, the Awkward Girl Guide, with your host, Ashley Iola. Ashley has learned to own her awkward, and she guides you how to do the same. It's awkward, but it can be a lot of fun, too. We'll talk about relationships, sports, food, health, family life, and social life. Each show hopes to make you a bit more in control of your awkward. Tune in to TAG, the Awkward Girl Guide, Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. 
Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime not to listen. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Christine Taylor. Our topic is weighing the options for care. Now let's talk about the types of care and the challenges faced by family caregivers in making the selection. Now, Christine, first question then is, Terminology can be very confusing. Um, so what names and descriptions do you give to the main types of care that family caregivers may need to consider? I generally divide them into three categories, that being home care, retirement care slash assisted living, and then um, nursing homes. Um, and the one thing I will say about nursing homes, there's this, trend in the industry to call them something other than nursing homes, and I think that just because um, nursing homes tend to not have the most positive connotation, so now there's a trend to calling them long-term care homes, um, but I, I think we need to focus on they are homes, they are where people stay 24 hours a day, um, so I still call them nursing homes. Um, home care is generally for people who do require assistance with what are called um, activities of daily living. Um, those are things such as bathing, dressing, eating, toileting, um, you know, moving around, getting in and out of bed, basically things that you need to be able to do to get to, to, to function as opposed to other things like, you know, paying your bills and um, those sort of things which are called instrumental activities of daily living. So home care really focuses on making sure that you are getting assistance with being able to to truly cope in, in your environment. Retirement homes are um, kind of in, in between the nursing home and the home care route. You feel like you can no longer cope on your own. You need the more... Uh, a higher level of supervision where someone is accessible to you around the clock. Um, and with, it, it's more of a, they, 
give you the services that you need. So you may need someone just giving you medication or meal preparation has become challenging, so obviously you have someone preparing your meals. Where there's so much variation in retirement homes is some retirement homes can look more like a hotel where you have your little bathroom and a bed. Uh, Other retirement homes are more like a small apartment building where you still have your small kitchenette, so you can have a higher level of independence. And retirement homes tend to be quite costly. It's not uncommon for someone to spend, you know, about $4,000 a month on retirement homes. And what people have to realize when they go into retirement home that as your care changes, so will the fee that you pay. So you could be paying $4,000 a month, something should happen, and they could say to you, well, you now have a higher level of care, you now have to pay X number of $100 more a month. Um, Nursing homes are where you truly need 24 hours a day um, nursing home care that is of a higher need. You're truly more dependent on someone to, to bathe you, to um, prepare your meals, closer monitoring, a lot of reliance on, um, they call them health care aides or personal support workers, giving much more personal level care. Um, and in countries like Canada, for example, the fees are, are regulated. So you could go in at a certain level of functioning and that could change, but that doesn't impact what you pay, even though the care that you receive does increase in your stay, it doesn't impact your your level of, of pay. Okay, perfectly fair. Now, I want to ask you, you know, you've been running this service. Mm-hmm. What have you learned about the challenges that family caregivers face when they're trying to weigh up the types of care that uh, you've just described and how well those types are going to meet their needs? So what have you learned? Well, I think I can best answer that in how I, what I, when I started the website, what my purpose of the website was, and that was the nursing home ratings. That was the goal of the site, and that's what I originally thought that's what it's going to be. And as I started that, I realized that, oh, my goodness, the challenge that family members are facing is, They don't know how to navigate the system. They don't know where to get information. I need to let them know what to expect along every step of the process. And that's why I have a description of each province's nursing home system. I really believe that everything in life can be overwhelming to a caregiver. They're caring for their parents. They're caring for their children. They have jobs. So I really want it to be a service such that at the end of the day or whenever you have time, you can set out your computer and you can read in the comfort of your own home, at your own pace, take however long you want. There's the information right there for you. I don't want it to be a a battle of calling and leaving a voicemail, someone else calls you back. I went through that developing the description, and I did it because I don't want other people to have to do that, because it was very, very frustrating, and it was very, very time-consuming. And that was me doing it without technically any time constraints. I mean, I obviously did want to have it on the site as soon as possible, and I thought, oh my goodness, if I was a caregiver, and I was going through this process, I would feel like 
so overwhelmed, so frustrated, to the point where you can see why caregivers burn out because they just don't know where to turn. So that, I, I really think that that's one of the biggest problems that they face is trying to figure out what the system looks like. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you a sort of related question to that. Mm-hmm. You've identified what you might call navigation of the options as a major challenge. Now, how do you relate that problem that family caregivers experience in trying to figure out what there is, so to speak, out there? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the main options of types of care that family caregivers should be weighing? In other words, um, they've got a particular type of problem. Can they narrow down their search to a particular type of care that they should be looking at very closely? Uh, a lot of the times, they are limited, assuming we want to go the public route in terms of getting a service where the government is paying for it. A lot of the times, they are limited based on what their loved one's condition is. A lot of the times, you call the agency and they ask you questions and they'll say, you're eligible or you're not eligible. So sometimes it's not necessarily the family member's choice. You get what, you, what you're told you can get. Anything beyond that, you're really left on your own devices to navigate the private route. And that's where it's frustrating, especially in countries where they have universal health care. There's that belief that, okay, it's paid for, I'm just going to call and get assistance. But especially retirement homes, um, you know, they're not part of that, that public system so much. So you really have to go to more, if you're going a private route, you have to go in with, with questions. And you are the one who are responsible for figuring out the system, making sense of the system, and making your own decisions as to the government the government-assisted services where you at least have someone who you can ask questions to and they can guide you more. Um, so that's, that's a real challenge for them because, again, it's not necessarily always a decision that is in their control. Got it. Now, it's the same line of reasoning mm-hmm. in this question, but this question is to do with something that may or may not be feasible, and that is other combinations of home care in the sense of an individual staying at home Mm -hmm. and also an individual being looked after to some degree in long-term care. Mm -hmm. Does that actually occur? And if it does, how how would you advise on that? Well, I think that family members, that is one of the biggest surprises to them because they think that for example, I'll use the example of nursing homes, that when my loved one goes into a nursing home, all their cares are going to be met, and why would I ever have to have someone provide additional help? And it's not necessarily that nursing homes are technically understaffing because they are evaluated in terms of their residents, what are their residents' needs, and then they have to follow certain equations, and that determines the number of hours that they have for staffing, according to 
the government. The problem is that the belief is that, that those just aren't enough hours. Even though the nursing home is abiding by the proper equations and so forth, it's still not enough. So when a loved one goes to a nursing home, they see their loved one sitting on the toilet, the call bell's ringing, and they'll kind of sit there and look at their watch and wait to see how long it takes to get a health care aid to give them some assistance. So a lot of people who do have the financial means will hire a private health care aid or personal support worker to also be there. And that, that just shocks people because they think that, well, why are you doing that when you're in a facility that provides this care? But family members want to know that their loved one is getting the care that they need in the time that they want their loved one to receive it. So it, it is it is possible and it does happen and it happens more frequently than people realize. You know, and the government doesn't have, unfortunately, bottomless pockets. There's only so much money and the hours are the hours and, you know, going into a nursing home comes with so much guilt and you don't want your loved one to be waiting for care. You want to know that they're getting it when when they want it. So it's it's definitely out there. And even especially in terms of home care, a problem is that they're assessed and they're deemed, you need two hours of care. So the person goes there from 10 till 12. Well, getting two hours of care a day isn't the issue. The issue is I need 15 minutes in the morning to get up and have a shower, and then I need about five minutes to help with medications and getting my meals. Then I need 20 minutes in the afternoon to have my breakfast. So I don't need two hours of continuous care. I need it scattered throughout the the day. So on paper, it could look good, but in reality, that's not the way it works. So even in home care settings, people do still supplement what government can provide. Got it. Now, this is a very quick yes-no question because Mm -hmm. we're going to have to go into the break. Mm -hmm. But, Christine, is that that you've been talking about, the question of what I'll call supplementary care, Mm -hmm. is that something you give advice on as well? Um, I mean, definitely if there, if there's not, if, if I sense the frustration in their voice and they're telling me examples where it, it's just not there, then I can advise them that there are other options for them. And again, sadly, a lot of the time it does come down to finances. Given the fact that you're already paying for a portion of your nursing home cost, can you afford to get additional costs? So that's a bit of a loaded, a loaded question, and it's sure. not just a, a yes or no answer, unfortunately. Perfectly fair. Now, it's time to take the break again, because we, too, have our uh, quotas to meet or whatever it is. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guest is Christine Taylor. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. How has your belief system been formed? Has it been based on others telling you what to believe? Do you desire to make changes in your life that you know will bring you deeper fulfillment? Tune in to The Ripple Effect with Catherine Cloward for your weekly dose of inspiration and encouragement. 
Whether it be in your business, personal relationships, or family life, this show will help you recognize and trust your intuitive knowing. Catherine and her guests will help inspire you to make fulfilling choices for your life. The Ripple Effect is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Listen to the women's side of the fitness industry on Fitness RX Radio with Adela Garcia and Sonia Gonzalez. If you're looking to stay healthy and look great or are getting ready to compete athletically, this is the show for you. We'll look at competitions from the inside out, bring you fitness tips, nutrition to keep you on top of your game, and so much more. We want to hear from you too, and we'll take your questions by phone or email. Tune in to Fitness RX Radio, airing every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Look and feel your best. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Christine Taylor. Our topic is weighing the options for care. Now, I want to talk, Christine, please, about things like weighing the quality, the cost, and the challenges of actually weighing the care options. Mm-hmm. That is to say, how do we find out? What have we got to do to find things out? Mm-hmm. So um, question number one on that point is, how are family caregivers to weigh the quality of care ahead of somebody going into a facility? Mm-hmm. That is probably one of the hardest questions, and that's where I really refer people, especially people who email me, I always refer them to a checklist I have to the site, um, and I'm actually putting a new checklist on the site that is much more comprehensive because people make the error of going to a site and doing, I think, what is natural and looking at the environment and deciding, okay, I like this facility, it's new, especially now because there is that that um, growing trend to have, you know, more and more home, new homes are opening up to deal with the, the number of people who need nursing home beds. So you have an old facility and you have a new facility. And, of course, a lot of people always want, you know, you want a new house. You want the new car. Well, you want your loved one in a new house, a new nursing home. But whether it's new or old, that says nothing about the quality of care. So that's where I really, again, direct people to the checklist and I walk you through Honestly, it's about 150 questions, so it's overwhelming, but it it will really help you determine that. So, for example, I ask people to ask about the number of volunteers, and a lot of people would think, well, what does it matter? What does a volunteer do? But in terms of 
the social well-being of your loved one with our Never Enough Activity Aids. So volunteers are usually used to supplement an activity aids position. So if you just rely on activity aids, it's going to probably take them about half an hour just to wheel all the residents down to an activity. You know, so that means that your loved one is probably sitting there for an hour doing nothing while these activity aids are going back and forth. But people like volunteers help that, so your loved one's not going to be sitting there as long. And they often provide one-on-one visits. I often encourage people to talk to residents, and when you're talking to them, look at things like, is their, is their hair, you know, done? And I'm not talking, is it nicely coiffed, but does it look clean? Are their glasses clean? When you're talking to them, look at their teeth. Are their teeth clean? Do their wheelchairs look clean? So I try to get you to ask questions or guide you on things to look at that will give you some indications as to what the quality is like, as opposed to just, are, you know, are the floors clean? Do they have new mattresses or new chairs. So, but again, that, that's what people really, really struggle with. So if you don't go in having read a checklist, it'll be very, very hard for you to come out of that tour knowing if that is a, a quality care home or not. Got it. Now, let's go back to this question of cost of care. You've talked a lot about this, and, and it's been very interesting and important listening to you on this. But I just want to ask you again about Weighing the question of costs of care against the types of financial help available. I'm not here asking you, Christine, to go into details of the particular plans to help people, but just in general, how about what the advice you give when people are saying, I've identified the kind of care that I think we need, mm-hmm. but the financial help available, I'm unclear, don't think it's going to be enough. How do you, how do you tackle that? How do you give advice on that one? Um, you know, that I find is a sad question because, you know, we all want to put our loved ones in, um, in a, their home that's been modified to feed all their to to meet all their needs and have a private RN, but that's just not um, that's just not a reality. What I do tell people um, is to be proactive and to look at things like long-term care insurance because it can give you that peace of mind knowing that when your loved one does need that care, you're going to be in a financially better position to give them the care that you know that they want, and then you're going to be able to sleep knowing that they're getting. There is a lot of financial assistance, though, for example, in Canada, um, if you provide the business manager or the administrator or whoever at the home with a copy of your tax return, that can be used to provide you with a lower rate. You know, similarly in the States, they have Medicare and Medicaid. So I just want people to know that there is financial assistance out there, and especially in terms of home modifications, it it sounds like a very expensive endeavor, one that people often think, do you know what, it's just not worth it. But if you know that there is financial assistance out there, that the government can help you put uh, a stair lift, an elevator in your house, that can help them 
stay in their own home longer. And the American Association of Retired Persons, the AARP, did survey people who had made at least one home modification in their home, and those people believed that it extended the life, that it will extend the life in their house by 10 years. So ask your government, um, social agencies, um, and, and do your homework because there is a lot of financial assistance, especially in terms of modifying your home, because governments are really, really getting on board and recognizing that, one, they, this is what older adults and their family members want, and, two, it is a lesser, yeah, a lesser expense in terms of expenditures. So don't, don't pigeonhole yourself because you think that there might be a cost. It's worth your while to explore it because things are probably possible that you don't think that they are. Strong message, an important message. Mm-hmm. Now that raises another question, which is um, family caregivers obviously rely on healthcare professionals and social workers and others mm-hmm. in getting advice about navigating the system, the mm-hmm. care system. Now, what are the questions that you recommend to family caregivers, questions that they should ask these professionals? Um, First and foremost, I tell people, don't be afraid to ask questions because (laughs) you will always kick yourself for not asking enough questions. You will never kick yourself for asking too many questions because if you don't ask enough questions, you're going to get yourself into a situation and you're going to say, oh, my goodness, if I knew that this was going to be the way it was, I wouldn't have pursued this route. So I really encourage people to ask people outright, and it'll be a long answer, but tell me what I am supposed to expect. So, you know, again, I have provincial explanations for each nursing home system, um, but regardless of what, what path you're choosing, ask them, What's the application process? What are the fees I can expect? Um, what's covered? What's not covered? So you know that, okay, this is the path I'm going, and I know that I'm going to get this assistance. What else can I expect so I know that I can financially prepare for what's going to come my way? And, you know, what happens should a situation change? If I decide to go let's say, for example, from home care to nursing home, what will that process be like? Really look into the future so you know what to expect going forward. It, again, if you're not following the same path, if, you're, if a situation changes and you go, you know, you zigzag across the system, you need to put sometimes, again, you need to be proactive. If you know that there is, uh, let's say, one out, uh, a one year wait list for nursing homes and you're sensing that, oh dear, I think my loved one is getting pretty close, don't wait. Talk to someone in the nursing home um, system and get them on a wait list because you don't want to put yourself in a position where, oh my goodness, they need it now and I'm waiting six months. That's not a situation you want to be in. Christine, this is another quick one. Mm -hmm. Break's looming up. Now, how, to what extent should the weighing of care options be influenced by family caregivers' own challenges, such as their own physical, mental, and financial health? Mm-hmm. This is a tough one for caregivers because caregiving is such a selfless task, 
And ultimately, of course, you want to make sure that what you choose is in the best interest of your loved ones. But caregivers have to realize that they can't be a good caregiver if they can't take care of themselves. So if they are trying to do all the care themselves, realize that you're going to burn out. So putting your loved one in a home could be best for your loved one because if you're going 24 hours a day and your wheels are spinning, you're going to crash and burn, and then you can't help your loved one at all. So, again, it's so hard for them to accept that because they don't want to put themselves ahead of the caregiver, but at some point they have to they they have to make that decision knowing what their circumstances are because it it helps the the care recipient as well. Got it. Very good. Now it is time for us to take the short break once more. This is Dr. Gordon Adley and my guest is Christine Taylor. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. There are a number of health and social services available to individuals for low cost or no cost. Now there's a radio program devoted to bringing you the information you need. Tune in to Outreach Today with host Melissa Jenkins-Simon. Our program promotes the benefits and services of CI Incorporated, providing health and social services over a wide spectrum of resources and agencies. We want to help you. Tune in to Outreach Today, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Christine Taylor. Our topic is weighing the options for care. Now I want to talk about what you, Christine, would like to see done to give more help to family caregivers in weighing options for care for their family members. So let's, let's ask about the healthcare and social systems services systems. Mm-hmm. What more needs to be done by them to help family caregivers weigh care for their family members? Well, I think that... First and foremost, anyone who is helping a caregiver 
or in the healthcare system, social services system, they have to realize what it's like for the caregiver, and they have to, as best they can, feel like that they're they're going through the system from their perspective. And I think that will give them a lot more empathy and it will help them, guide them in the way that they really know how. And, you know, always drive home the need for quality. You can open up a lot of nursing home beds and you can have no one on wait lists. That doesn't mean that the system is fixed because that's what people tend to focus on. We have a huge wait list. There are so many people in hospital, hospitals awaiting nursing home beds. There's also, you know, obviously that's one component of it, but once you get into a home, it has to be quality care. And like I said before, they call them nursing homes for a reason because these homes are now where these people are living 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You the, the workers are there all the time. So if the system can really drive home the, the need for excellent quality from all different angles, food, activities, um, you know, obviously personal care and medical, this system will improve. And making information available to the family members to help them make that decision, making things in layman's terms. You know, I'm a bit of a critic of inspection reports because they seem to be more geared towards helping the administrator better their care. But they're also sold as as something to help the family members when I don't think that they do. So the the system has to realize that family members do need help in in navigating the system. Got it. Now, I'm going to ask you, this is basically the same question, mm-hmm. but the focus of the question is governments. What more needs to be done by governments to assist family caregivers in weighing care for their family members? Well, I think this gets on something that I already touched, and there's a public system and there's a private system, and they're not mutually exclusive. And the government has to realize that many people are using both. There has to be communication between the two or else there's going to be overlap and there's going to be errors. So if they better realize that I can't provide, I being the government, can't provide all the services that they need, so they are using another another um, form of paying care, how can I better inform them as to what their choices are? As opposed to someone entering the public system and realizing, okay, you know, Maybe I don't qualify, maybe I qualify some, but not enough, and then feeling like, okay, now I'm on my own. There are so many private agencies and companies with so many services, so much new technology that is truly amazing in what it can do to help care uh, care recipients and obviously, therefore, caregivers, that there has to be this point where people kind of step back and realize, okay, there's too much, it's too too disjointed. We have to get a way to help family members understand how they can have both, and the government has to figure out how they can educate people on what other alternatives that there are without the, the family members feeling like they're, again, navigating the system that is completely unguided. 
Would you go so far as to say that this means that government has to be more open about the availability of services across the board, government or otherwise? Would you say that? Well, I think that they have to be, and especially because uh, the sheer number of people who are going to be requiring these services, it almost seems impossible to comprehend how the government is going to be able to afford all these services because the economic impact is going to be huge. So they have to realize that um, people are going to be pre be pursuing a, a private route to supplement this. So they're going to have to realize that, yes, this is what people are doing, and it's just a reality. If people want to know that their loved one is getting the level of care and the amount of care that they're comfortable with. Right. Now, this show is part of uh, a movement whereby family caregivers are getting more voice, getting mm -hmm. more influence, are being listened to, and actions flow, not mm -hmm. as fast, not to the extent that we would wish to see. Mm -hmm. But here's your opportunity mm -hmm. for family members, family caregivers who are caring for family members. What is your strongest message to them about weighing care, given that they're becoming more, much more activists than they ever were before? Mm -hmm. I would probably give them two pieces of advice, and one I think I've um, said multiple times throughout this is get information, ask questions, know as much as you can, and make a well-informed decision because you need to know that there isn't going to be a revolving door. You're not going from home to home to home because that wasn't the right home, then that's not the right home. So try to, to make the decision with as much information as you can and ask lots of questions. Um, the second I would ask, and this is really across all, continue, all the continuum of care, speak with your loved one, and it's hard because your loved one isn't at the stage yet. Speak to your loved one early because if you know what they want, it makes your decision a lot easier. There are some people who say, I don't want to be a burden to you, put me into a retirement home. You know, obviously, if you know that that's the wish of your loved one, then it's not going to feel like such an emotional burden making that decision, whereas other people say, absolutely not, I want to stay in my home as long as possible. So you know, as a caregiver, okay, this is the route that I'm going to focus on and I'm going to make it happen for my loved one. So, again, it's uncomfortable because you have to have this discussion before they need it, and you're probably going to be the one who's going to bring it up, but your loved one will probably also want to have that conversation. Um, so again, talk about it early and know, know their wants, so then you know you're doing what they want. And you know sometimes, obviously, they're going to reach a point where they cognitively cannot communicate what they want, so it just really drives home the point that you need to have this discussion when your loved one is definitely in um, a position where they can really clearly communicate what they want and what they don't want for that stage of their life. Again, this is the same activist question, mm -hmm. which is, are you aware of groups of family caregivers in this situation who are getting together to express the common need 
to the decision makers, that is putting pressure on politicians and organizations to do a better job, for example, providing information. Um, what's your thought about that? Well, I mean, I think that the, the baby boomers are known for having a very strong voice. And it's almost like that's why the government knows, not just in terms of demographics, but baby boomers know what they want, and they will make it happen. So the voice of these people is going to come out loud and clear in terms of the, I want to stay at home, I am going to make this possible, and I'm going to put things in place to make this possible. So the government is really moving that way. There's definitely a trend to you know, put a lot more money into home care. So I think they're doing a good job. But, I mean, you'll notice there's so many, so many, more, um, so many more companies right. and, you know, a lot of not-for-profits um, who are really taking on an, advoca- an advocacy role and they, they really want to give a strong voice to those who they don't really feel have a strong voice. So but definitely, definitely yeah. that's happening. Unfortunately, I have to stop you there, but it's a very strong point on which to stop. Mm-hmm. Speak up. Ask questions. Demand information. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, I want to say thank you to our listeners, and please do email us with ideas for, your sh- for the show or for, or, or for Christine or any matters that you would like to explore with us. I want to say a special thank you to Christine for... Not just sharing your own experience, your own insights, and giving your own advice, but actually setting something up, which sounds and definitely has convinced me as being something that is addressing a very real need, which is helping people make choices, and you said it, choices that really aren't reversible. That is to say, once a decision's made, there are, as you said, no revolving doors. You're basically stuck with your decision. And you said your decision has to be something that's more or less in line with what the person who you're providing care for would wish for or would have wished for. Yes. Now, in our next episode, we'll talk about special needs planning for family caregivers. That's a sort of related subject. So please join us. Same time, same spot on the Internet. We will be back. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.